I'm Michelle Sims, and this is the Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. In this episode, Abigail Gimpel is sharing her knowledge and wisdom concerning overcoming ADHD. Abigail shares some of her own family struggles with ADHD, and she also covers the symptoms, the diagnoses of ADHD, and what it all means. And if you or a family member has ADD or ADHD, you should definitely have a listen. Abigail talks about how ADHD is really just a clash of a healthy person with their environment and how to sort all of this out and eliminate triggers, so to speak, and that the medicines that our children are often prescribed don't come without their own long-term ill effects. So it's really a decision that you should research and think about before you medicate your child. And as you'll hear in the episode, I've medicated a couple of my children. Abigail has too. It was just from a lack of not knowing. But once you know, you can make better decisions for your children or for yourself, whoever's involved. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how others get through their messes and even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way, a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our journeys by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of our experiences, lessons, and knowledge. So please join me for episode 33 of The Beauty and the Mess called Overcoming ADHD with Abigail Gimpel. Abigail has a BA and a graduate degree in special education She's also earned advanced degrees in teaching children with dyslexia and cognitive education for children with ADHD symptoms. She has six kids, most of which have been diagnosed with ADHD, and she has taught students in New York, Moscow, and Jerusalem with ADHD as well. She has over 22 years of experience teaching in the special needs ADHD realm. She has now developed her own treatment options for ADHD and coaches and educates children and parents and even adults with ADHD, on how to make the best intervention decisions for them or for their child. She is also a best-selling author of The Empowered Parents' Complete Guide to Raising a Healthy Child with ADHD Symptoms, which is now an Amazon number one bestseller, and Hyper Healing, and both books deal with ADHD. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess, Abigail. It's great to have you here today. Thank you so much. Really nice to be with you. Now, I know that you have advanced degrees in special education, if I'm understanding correctly. And I know that you also teach and train parents and teachers how to deal with kids with ADHD. That's it. But before we get into all that, can you kind of tell us your backstory of what in life led you to this place and what you're doing today? So what's amazing about my story is that it was actually my children who basically brought me to where I am, and they're my main inspiration. But I started out as a classroom teacher at the age of 20, before I had children, obviously, that's quite young, and had students in the classroom that I just couldn't crack the code with them. I couldn't figure out how to educate them. They were running circles around me, making me cry a lot not in front of them. And I didn't know how to educate them, but I did see that they were highly intelligent. And during recess, they came alive. They were brilliant kids and they were funny and cute and spontaneous, completely tactless, all the great things. I spent a lot of time in the evenings trying to figure out how to help these kids. And I developed a program for them in the classroom. This is a regular classroom. Uh, At that point, I was already realizing that I did not have the skills to really educate these out-of-the-box children, and I decided to continue my education. I was was just finishing my BA at the time, and I went on to study special education in graduate school in Manhattan, and it was really exciting for me. It was a passion for me. I met my husband as I was completing graduate school, and interestingly, he's very similar 
to my students, the out of the box ones, which is really funny because I was so drawn to these kids. I just love their energy. I love their spontaneity. And when I met my husband, I was like, well, this guy's cool, but I couldn't really put my finger on what it was. So ADHD, there are parts of it that are quite genetic and I don't see it as a disorder, but the personality aspect of it is definitely genetic. And my husband and probably a little bit myself, I've got some energy in myself here, pass that on to our children. And pretty much all of them have been diagnosed with ADHD. And the only reason it's not all of them is because I just stopped getting them diagnosed at some point. I was like, I get it. I understand. There's a trend here. And really, it was them who said, Mom, get your act together. We're great kids. Now, they weren't saying it in these words. They are great kids. But they and the system weren't working together. And although I did choose to medicate three of them at certain points, that wasn't solving the problem either. So I had to get out of my game. And that's when I really left no stone unturned and started doing the deep dive research to help them. And then I spread out to really helping people in the community. And now I'm lucky enough to have a wonderful job teaching in college. And I teach small groups of mothers and fathers, mainly the mothers show up, which is a shame. And the fathers are always invited. But I've been just passing that knowledge on to as many people as I can. And it also is translated into two books on the topic, Hyperhealing. One of them just recently became um, bestseller on Amazon. Congratulations. Incredibly exciting. It is. Yeah. That's awesome. I know you said you work with teachers and parents of children, but do you have adults come to you that have struggled with this their whole life and they need help also? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been working a lot recently with moms. And I'm always amazed by moms. Okay, I get it. I'm a mom. I really relate. But we're a hardworking group of people. And once you give these moms these skills, they just hit the ground running and really improve so quickly. I also work with couples, which is one of my favorite things to do. Because you've got one member of the couple. I'm never sure how to say that right. But one of the people in the couple dealing with ADHD and they're missing each other. They're not speaking each other's language and to just re-educate both of them and help them find that love language with each other is unbelievable. I actually have a little girl named after me oh. after her parents were going to split up. That's awesome. And then they, you know, they decided to, to fight it on through and build a beautiful family together. So that was really well beyond what I could have ever have imagined. And I do work with older teenagers as well. I was just working recently with a group of boys from 15 to 19 years old, much more challenging than the moms, but uh, they also make some nice progress. There's two steps forward, one step back, but slowly, slowly, they are also finding their own footing in their own voice. That's awesome. I can say as a mom, one of my children has ADD and another one has ADHD. And the one with ADHD ha is kind of severe, I guess you'd say. I mean, it's very, very noticeable. She wanted me to ask you, do you ever outgrow this? And I'm assuming from what you just told me that you don't. If you're dealing with couples in adulthood that are still dealing with ADHD, that she just needs to learn to cope with it, correct? Well, let me give her a better answer. Okay. Because I'm so impressed that she asked the question. This is to your daughter. Not going to ask her name because we don't say kids' names on public platforms, but the question deserves a, a thoughtful answer. And and the answer is uh, absolutely yes. Oh. Because ADHD is really a list of symptoms. It's a group of symptoms that doctors observed in certain people, and they put them together and they gave it a name. Now, the name is helpful so that we can communicate. When you say my daughter is ADHD, in my mind, immediately, I'm going to think of a lot of symptoms and I'm going to probably going to be fairly accurate before you even tell me about her. And that's helpful for us to communicate. The only thing it's not helpful for is figuring out what's causing the symptoms. And although we hear very often that it's some kind of neurological difference that's causing the symptoms, we hear a dopamine story, we hear that there are parts of the brain that are different 
and people with ADHD symptoms, it turns out that the science is really inconclusive there. And what's really going on is that you have these symptoms that could be caused by so many different things. It could be caused by screen addiction, by sleep issues, by trauma or abuse, or by an instant gratification personality, or diet, a gut dysbiosis. So if your daughter wanted to take a journey of discovery and figure out what it is that's causing her ADHD symptoms, then she absolutely can overcome them, not just cope with them. Okay. I would not be doing the work I'm doing if I was just helping people cope. That's not my job. I'm helping people overcome. And your daughter certainly could overcome. She could even go to my website and take the little quiz there and find out what's causing her symptoms. And with that, she can really uncover how to help herself flourish. The reason why I have so many adults with ADHD symptoms is because they were dealing with the symptoms as children and either it was ignored or it was medicated, but the root cause was never looked for. And therefore, not only were they dealing with ADHD symptoms, they started adding onto it all sorts of comorbid experiences like low self-esteem or failing out of school uh, or having trouble socially. And as they got older, they just started gathering more and more challenging symptoms on the original symptoms. But had they gotten help when they were younger, they every one of them would have been able to develop the skills they needed to just flourish and do great in life. So that's who you want to give your daughter. Yeah, I will admit that we did do medication to get her through high school, but she just recently graduated and we stopped the medication because I don't know what the medicine's going to cause long-term. Well, you've got to read book two because I tell you all about it. Okay, I will definitely. (laughs) But since we stopped the medicine, of course, the symptoms are more prevalent. I will say that. So I think it even gets to her once in a while. Well, how long ago did she stop? It's probably been about six months ago. It's been a while, but she's still displaying symptoms. Right. So the longer someone's on medication, the more challenging it is for their brain to go back to its original healthy space. And like I said, I also medicated a few of my children until I realized that this medication was A, not giving the results that we needed, and B, I suddenly with the research, realized that it was probably going to be causing some long-term ill effect. Right. So that's when I stopped it. But the ones who were on it longer definitely took a longer time to get off it. But what I realized we were doing is that we were kicking the problem down the road, basically kicking the can down the road by not allowing my children to develop normal social habits. Because when you're in high school, and friends push back on you when you say something tactless or you're not thoughtful, you're egocentric, then you get pushback. Maybe for a kid without ADHD symptoms, you get pushback once or twice, you get it. But kids with ADHD symptoms, for many different reasons that are interesting to understand, might take 20 times. But if they're being medicated, they're not exhibiting those behaviors and therefore they're never getting the pushback. They get to the end of high school And they haven't learned how to socialize properly. And not only that, all the problems that they were having, they were exhibiting, we masked them. So we don't really know what problems they were having. We were just kind of pulling them through high school and hoping they get the grades so that they can get a diploma. Diplomas are good, but what's much better is the actual skills that we develop in high school. Study skills and social skills and learning to fail and learning to succeed and learning to work together and that's, that's what we land up missing out on when we medicate for those years. And I don't blame any parent for medicating because that's what the doctor tells us to do. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say until I found you, the avenues of, of knowing what to do are very limited because every doctor or therapist you go to says medicate. And then of course you want your kid to graduate, <laughs> but I tried to get her tutors to help and I would work with her and we tried everything within our means. But we just didn't know the right way to approach it. Yeah, we just did what we could to survive. And that's what it felt like, to be honest. We're just trying to survive. Absolutely. And I was right there with you. And just because I'm a special education teacher, this is my field, I was able to push further. But you're a busy mom. You have your own profession. 
and there's no way to tackle the amount of information that you need in order to get your child the help. That was actually why I sat down to write. I don't naturally sit and write. My kids have said to me, mom, you should write us notes more often. And I laughed to myself because I just put out a 400 page book and I'm saying, oh, I don't really like to write so much, but there's a labor of love to get the, all that information out there because there is no way for your average parent to be able to amass the amount of information I was able to right. because I was doing it for my family, but also for my students, my profession. And I felt like you have to have something for the price of a book that can actually give you real help. Because also, besides for not having the time or even the skills to do the research, who has the money to get coaching for their children? Right. It's impossible. And if you have more than one child, forget it. Yeah, just tutoring was enough. We were very blessed. We had a special needs teacher that was willing to do the tutoring. And then I have a daughter that's now a special needs teacher, a different daughter. But I think for many parents, like you said, if you work full time and your spouse or your partner works full time, you're just in survival mode, just trying to get through each day and you don't have the right tools to really help. I didn't at least because I'm seeing it more so even now, like you said, once the medicine's gone and she's a sweetheart, I love her to death. She's a, a great, awesome person not trying to be negative at all. I love her to death. Well, she is welcome to send me any questions. She's clearly a curious person. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. One thing we were going to investigate for her is, I know you were just listing off many possible reasons, but have you heard of the lack of amino acids as one, like your body can't methylate? So that would be like a MTHFR kind of thing. Is that what you're talking about? It kind of thing, yeah. Okay. So I definitely, if that's something that's in the family, that's a blood test. Yeah. It's worth checking because you won't be able to absorb vitamin B, the whole group of vitamin B, and that's a big deal. Okay. So it's definitely worth investigating, just taking her for a blood test, seeing if that's an issue, in which case there's a very easy solution. Like if that's what you find, celebrate because then you just need a, a different type of, uh, of vitamin, of nutrient, and then she will really be able to flourish because her body and her brain are starved for certain nutrients if she's not able to process them. I deal with diet a lot. I have a full chapter called the 30-Day Challenge, where whenever I see any kind of symptom that looks like it's physiological, like headaches, stomach aches, rashes, any kind of autoimmunity, asthma, allergies, I have two kids with celiac, um, any bad, bad reactions to vaccines in the past or kids who had tubes in their ears or lots of strep throat, lots of antibiotics in their story, all of those things. And definitely, I don't know if I mentioned sleep problems. I might have, I can't remember. All of those things and many more sensory issues. I will look at diet first. I'll go straight to diet. And there's, and there's a specific diet that I recommend not from myself, but from functional medicine that I've taken on. And I see a lot of good changes. And I also specifically recommend taking multinutrients. And for kids who have sleep issues or constipation, we get them right on magnesium, which is very, very helpful. But it's a whole story. And actually, I, I offer a lot of free information on my website because I really want people to be able to access that and just jump onto the 30-day challenge and start getting help. And I highly recommend that that be done as a family. So if you do feel like your daughter has any of these symptoms that are physiological, also psychiatric symptoms like depression, anxiety would fall into that category, then I would say as a family, take the challenge and see if the symptoms start to come down. Yeah, for her, she's had a whole host of major medical problems. Oh. So she's actually been on a feeding tube her whole life. And she's just now getting off the feeding tube and we're transitioning her off. And as we enter more foods come into her life, her body hasn't been subjected to these foods, right? That I wonder if some of that is triggering, like making the symptoms more prevalent. It very well could be, but also I'm assuming that if she's been on a feeding tube, she's also been on antibiotics a lot as well. 
She hasn't had antibiotics a whole lot. She did it as a little kid because she had like severe ear infections. She had the ear tubes. She had a, a stroke right after she was born. And then she had life-threatening aspiration. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on for her, unfortunately. So I don't know how much all of that affected her, but she doesn't have the depression. She's a very happy person. I don't see the anxiety so much, but the physical, definitely. Yeah. A lot of it matched what you were saying. Looks like you guys are up for the challenge. (laughs) Well, we're definitely going to dig into it. Yeah. I prompted her because I told her I was going to be speaking to you. And I said, are there any questions you want to ask? And she said, I just want to know if I am ever going to outgrow this. Yeah, that was her big one. Wonderful. And the answer is yes. I'm very happy to say is definitely yes. That's awesome. Can you tell us how your quiz differentiates? How does it guide you to where this is originating from? Is it like how long have you had these symptoms and... How prevalent? I don't focus very much on the symptoms. Okay. Uh, The quiz really is looking at basically what's going on in your life. I ask questions like, how do you deal with an assignment in school? Um, And uh, basically like what your life experience is, how do you sleep? And all of those things is going to lead me in different directions because someone who has, for example, an instant gratification personality That's a person who is a healthy person with a perfectly healthy adaptive personality. That's a here and now person that wants everything interesting and fun and on the edge and is always investigating. But the minute they have to put the hard work in, we lose them. Or if they get started on something, let's say we finally get them to start organizing the pantry. Six hours later, they're still organizing the pantry because they've gotten so sucked into it and it's giving them this great gratification feeling. So a person like that is going to push things off like a big assignment. They're going to push it off forever, but yet someone who has similar symptoms, but it's caused by anxiety or from some kind of trauma or abuse, they're going to be very stressed and nervous. They're going to start getting that assignment done right away. So based on your responses to different life experiences, I'm able to direct you. And when you get the answer to your quiz, I also give you a lot of direction. I let you know where you can get started on your journey toward recovery from whatever it is causing your symptoms. So obviously in one quick email, you're not going to get all the answers and you have to kind of get more in depth. That's why I have the book so that every kind of cause of ADHD symptoms is there. And you can find yourself and get even more information, but the quiz definitely gives you the direction. you need. So the origin of the ADHD, how you got it doesn't matter as far as there's hope that you can still overcome it, no matter what led you to the ADHD. Is that correct? A hundred percent. But we have to realize that if we're seeing ADHD, especially the instant gratification type of ADHD, if we're seeing that as a personality type, We all have a personality type. So let's say I'm kind of type A personality, which is funny in my house because I'm the only one who leaves the house on time and keeps things organized. (laughs) I think God sent me here to keep all these people. They do so much more for me than I do for them. Anyway, so my type A personality could get really rigid. And I have to work on that. I have to work on being laid back, on letting things flow, being in the moment, spontaneous. So every single personality type has areas that are fabulous. The curiosity, the energy is fabulous. But you've got to learn how to stick to a test. You have to learn how to push through and get to the end. So this is just where we're working on helping people take the parts of their personality that are fantastic and celebrate them. And then find the areas that are more challenged and create habits. So I spend a lot of time in my book on on habit creation and habit formation, as well as helping parents push their children to create these habits in respectful, non-disappointed, non-critical ways. Because that's what we end up doing. If you and I both are moms with kids with ADHD, we are worried about them and we are so frustrated from them. They're always doing the wrong thing as far as we're concerned. So we land up being very angry, frustrated, disappointed, and scared 
all the wrong emotions for raising these great kids. So we have to pull ourselves back and we have to learn a completely new language right. in order to raise them properly. Um, but yes, they will outgrow. Once you have this personality and you learn to create habits, then you are going to be running smoothly. And every once in a while, just like type A, every once in a while will get a little rigid and have to remember, oh, wait, I learned how to not do this. Someone with an ADHD personality will also sometimes fall back into um, not getting things done efficiently and will also have to be pulled back out, which is why I always work with parents and children together and spouses together, because you always need a coach to help you remember what you learned and get you back on track. That's just the way it is. And you know what? When I started exercising way back in my teens, I never went to the gym by myself. You need a gym buddy. Because if you're together, you're going to get there. But if you're trying to do it alone, how often are you going to go exercise? Right. And I see that trait in her a lot that when you tell her to do something like, hey, you need to take care of this, fix this, clean this, whatever. If you're with her, she'll do. But if you leave, I don't know if she gets distracted or frustrated, but I go back to her room and she's doing something completely different. I'm like, you're supposed to be doing this. Well, I know, but. Well, you have to send her this video that I made on YouTube. It's about body doubles. Okay. And people with the ADHD symptoms, I've got a daughter like this also, where she'll actually say to me, mom, could you be my body double this evening? Because I need to clean my room. I'm not willing to clean her room for her. Obviously she's in her twenties, but she needs to get it done so that she can work on her schoolwork and clear her head. She actually has three rats living in her room. So she often like they're pets. Pets. Yeah. They're not living there as like, they, you understand? It's a weird thing to say. That's why I have to explain it. <laughs> I'm from New York. The rats are not pets in New York. I understand. So they have a major epidemic right now of rats because it's so disgusting and dirty and gross in the streets of Manhattan. Oh, wow. But that's not our topic. The point is that she will invite me just to sit with her in her room and be her body double. And we have a great time because I know that she needs that. She needs to have someone with her in order to be inspired to get the work done. And I enjoy spending time with her. As long as we know that that's what it is. Yeah. Enjoy the time. Bring a coffee into the room and sit with her. We have our best conversations when I'm body doubling. Is it kind of like an accountability partner in a way? Like you're just sitting there to make sure she stays on task. <laughs> and I'm not even making sure she stays on task. Oh, okay. Just chatting? I am only chatting with her. Okay. There's no point at which I'm saying, okay, now pick up your socks. Okay. Absolutely not. Just the fact that I'm there and she's aware of it. That's why I said, have your daughter watch the video. Because once she becomes aware of it and it makes sense to her, she could request her body double. And it could be you, a friend, doesn't matter. But once she requests it, she's empowered herself. Right. And she's not that lazy kid who stops working once someone walks out. She's fulfilling a need in a very responsible way. Yeah. And therefore, you no longer have the job of pushing her along. You have the job of being a warm body next to her while she works. Yeah, I like that idea. We'll definitely try that and watch the video. So how prevalent are sleep problems? Because I'm noticing her sleep is getting worse and worse and worse, or her lack of sleep, I should say. So how prevalent is that? Okay, so... There's a great book called Why We Sleep, and I recommend that I quote it a lot in my book. I have a whole chapter on sleep as well, because sleep problems are getting worse. And the only reason they're getting worse is because we're on screens an awful lot and well into the night. And we really can't sleep properly when we're on screens right before we go to bed. And not only that, our diets are plummeting. And a diet rich in minerals is going to help us rest more. And the fast paced life that we're living with a lot of multitasking is getting us a little more stressed. So with the screens right before bed, we never unwind right. for one. And we also have the blue light in our faces and therefore our melatonin system never kicks in. Um, so we land up physiologically not really being able to fall asleep because our brain thinks it's the middle of the day. So there's a lot to do for sleep issues. Some of it is going to be just training. I actually just had a guest over the weekend who works with a system called CBTI for insomnia. It's CBT 
for insomnia. You analyze what's going on in her room, her habits, her sleeping, and that's one side. And seeing if there's emotional things that are blocking her from really falling asleep. But besides that, she has to clear out the screens for the two hours before she goes to bed. And she should get some exercise during the day. And most importantly, she should get out in the sunlight. I don't know what state you're in. Do you have some sun? Indiana. So it's kind of mixed. <laughs> All right. Somewhere in the middle. But she should be able to get out at high noon, even for 20 minutes in the sun, to signify to her body, now is the middle of the day and the melatonin production will start a couple of hours later. Okay. So there's a, a lot she can do for that. And also magnesium is a big key. Uh, people who don't have magnesium-rich diets land up having less and less sleep. I highly recommend, by the way, besides taking magnesium supplements, uh, also taking Epsom salt baths. Oh. You do that every night, a couple of cups of Epsom salts in the bathtub. You can get big giant bags of it. That's rich in magnesium and it absorbs right into your body. Or you can just hang out in the ocean a lot, which is my other favorite thing to do. I would love to. We're landlocked. I would love to, though. You don't have so much ocean, yeah. I am curious before we go on, and this is just a silly question, but I read where you've been in Russia, you've been in Manhattan, you're now in Israel. Is there a difference between the cultures? And that's probably silly, but I just wonder if it's more prevalent in one culture versus another, or is it pretty much across the board? So that's an incredibly unsilly question. I've actually never met a silly question, but it's very interesting because on the one side, I actually taught in New York, in Jerusalem, and in Moscow. Oh, wow. So I really have a broad view, and I speak all three of those languages. Wow. Which is super fun for me, although Russian, you can't show off about Russian nowadays because <laughs> then someone thinks you're pro-Putin, and then you're in trouble. But uh, I think they speak Russian in Ukraine as well. So I could say I learned it in the Ukraine. And, and the Russian government is very different from the Russian people. I mean, people need to, to realize that too. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, and the person who works with the CBTI, she's actually a close Russian friend of mine. So anyway, what I saw from the kids in the classroom is that you're going to have ADHD symptoms everywhere. Okay. And they present themselves pretty similarly in all three of those countries. What I see though, is the way it's dealt with in different countries is very different uh, for better or for worse. In Moscow, they're way behind the times. I know that they think they're a first world country, but their education is quite third world, which surprised me a lot because we grew up thinking that the Russians were the smartest with the best education and they were, you know, top of the line because all the physicists were Russian, they're always the most educated, but your average Russian is very poorly educated, unfortunately. And I was in the schools and they pretty much ignore the ADHD. They're back where America was in the seventies, where those kids were lazy troublemakers. Oh, wow. And uh, so that's what's going on there. But with all issues with kids with speech impediments and kids with learning disabilities, there's not much happening there. They just kind of get bumped from grade to grade. And I hope I don't get in trouble with the Russian government for saying this, but very underwhelmed by their education system there. In terms of the United States, I think very, very trigger happy on the medication. Right. Yeah, I can see that. Which is just highly unfortunate. And I do feel that the American medical establishment has definitely been hijacked by pharma. And there's a real push to get kids on as many medications as possible, as young as possible, because then they become patients for life. And that's, to me, quite tragic because there are long-term effects to these medications. Although I will say something good about the American system, that there's a lot of support. The paraeducational and medical system definitely offers a lot of support. And you have a lot of really good, talented people being able to give support on the sidelines. But I do think that the over-medicating of American kids is quite a disaster. And someone's got to do something about it really soon, or we're going to turn a lot of kids into zombies. And that's a shame. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're a great nation. So why are we doing this to our kids? I agree. And in Israel, it's somewhere in the middle because Israel goes as America goes in general. We tend to follow the American way, but because it's more of a rough and tumble 
kind of society. We have a mandatory army draft. So the kids become independent very young. Mm -hmm. My 17 year old as a company, he buys and sells cars. He buys, fixes and sells cars. That's what Israeli kids are doing very often. They're super cool and out there, but they kind of grow out of their need for medication younger than American kids because they surface as effective people much earlier. And they're also given a lot of responsibility and a lot of faith that they actually can grow up, be responsible and gain skills. So none of the systems are perfect and we definitely have to do better. Yeah, I agree totally. Cause I, I know my daughter, because of different medical problems going on in her life, she was on several medicines. And so we were on a path to try to get her off of as many medicines as we could as quickly as we could. Cause I, unlike you, I don't like a lot of medicines and ADHD med was just one of them. But I remember she went to her doctor at the time and she said, you know, we're working to get me off of all these medicines. And the doctor was like, oh, you'll never get off ADHD meds ever. You'll be on those the rest of your life. And that was a challenge to me. I was like, nope, she's not. I would rather deal with the ADHD symptoms than to think that she is stuck dealing with that medication and whatever it may do to her. You know what I mean? So it's nice to know through you that we have other avenues that we can explore and try to find other ways to help her that don't include medicine. <laughs> well, you know, good for you for your bravery and your clarity and knowing that you're your child's only advocate. That's really important. Yeah. A lot of parents really give over the educational rights of their children to the school system. And I don't understand. And you decided, I don't want to do that. Exactly. You know, I almost wish every teacher was required to have more special education as a part of their curriculum, as they're becoming teachers, because what I see is one that has a special needs background are far more compassionate and understanding than the ones that don't. And these kids kind of become a bother to, and I, I understand the teachers are overwhelmed. You know, they could have 25 to 35 students and you're just one and they're trying to cater to all different levels. I get it, but it's just really sad. So I was kind of forced to become an advocate, but I'm glad I did. And it's amazing. That's what we started with, that our children really forced us to rise to the occasion and they make us so much greater than we would have been without them and without their challenges. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else that you want to make sure that everybody that's listening gets to hear? Sure. So I like to kind of address the parents, the moms and dads who are dealing with kids that have been diagnosed with ADHD, with ODD, with anxiety, we feel like that's, you know, gospel. You've gotten your diagnosis and that's what it is. And that's how I believe as well. You know, I, I remember taking my daughter, my oldest, her diagnosis and she skipped in this healthy, sweet kid. And 15 minutes later, we kind of drag ourselves out of the office. Oh my God, I have a disordered child. And how could that even be? And I've given birth to this broken person. And what I found out is that that's not true. None of that's true. That child is healthy and that child is gifted to you. And what I like to say to parents, to say to myself every day, is that we can overcome anything. And every single person is a completion of challenges and of gifts and everything in between. And when you get that diagnosis, it's just a description of what a doctor or a teacher is observing. And that's it. So don't panic. Your child is good. Your child is healthy. Your child is struggling. So instead of racing to you know fill all the prescriptions, Take a journey of discovery. Find out what's going on for your child. Ask a ton of questions. See what's off in your child's life. Are there weird relationships in your child's life that you're not comfortable with? Is the screen overwhelming your child? What's happening in your child's life? Because the diagnosis means nothing about their brain and it means nothing about their health. It just means here. Pointing in this direction, your child is struggling. Be curious and 
be with your child and don't panic and you're going to get the help you need. I love that you say that because I will say I was always given the impression that something was wrong. I don't know how to explain it. It's not like a full disability or anything like that, but something is like physiologically wrong with her brain. And I know that you speak to the fact that it's not necessarily that anything is wrong, right? It's just, can you explain that? I'm not doing very well. <laughs> yeah, I would say that it's 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 a clash between a healthy person and their environment. Okay. That's really what's going on in all areas of ADHD and these others. And we find actually when we're looking at most people that are diagnosed with any kind of psychiatric condition, most of them, I'm not talking about ADHD now, I'm talking about the other perhaps more serious ones. Most of them have had some serious childhood trauma or abuse. And when we say the problem is in your head, then what we're saying is we're not looking at your story. We're not looking at what happened to you in your life. We're not asking what's happened. Right. And that's a major question that we are not allowed to skip. And we skip it every time we accept a diagnosis as gospel. So therefore, back to ADHD, when you're looking at a child who's struggling in school, you want to ask what's happened to you? What's going on for you? And why is it that you, who are a healthy person, are clashing with your environment? Is it, are you struggling with learning? Is the teacher being harsh and you're not relating to the teacher? Are you being bullied in the classroom? Are you missing skills? What's going on for you? That's what we have to be doing because that's where the problem lies. It lies in the clash. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we've come across a couple teachers that were even kind of bullies. And I think it's because they just didn't understand. And those kids just a pain in my side. I don't know. I think to your point, as we're talking to the parents of these children, they definitely need to open that line of communication to the child. And I would also encourage them if they are medicating their child to ask them, how does that medicine make you feel? Because my younger daughter that had the ADHD, she's, she's never complained about the medicine, but my older one was on for much shorter time with the ADD. And she would tell me, I don't feel normal. I don't like how this makes me feel. So we got her off of it, but you've got to ask them because you don't really know. You just assume everything's going well. And if they're functioning in school and you think everything's okay, we solved the problem. Right. And <laughs> that may not be the case. You know, they, it may be causing them other problems. And I've never, ever met a, a child whose problem of ADHD was solved just by medication. Right. Maybe they're out there and I'd love to meet them. But so far, just that treatment alone has not brought them to where they need to get. I agree. Yeah. And I think it, we all want a solution and we want it quick and there's not always a quick solution, but there is a solution if you work hard enough, I think. Yeah, and I'm anti the quick fixes. My kids know that. Uh, we just had our 25th anniversary. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. We actually took our kids on a, a little vacation to Sinai, uh, which I highly recommend. To where? I'm sorry. To the Sinai Peninsula. Okay. Which is here in the Middle East. It's part of Egypt. Oh, wow. And just beautiful, right on the ocean. We went snorkeling, scuba diving, so much fun. But our kids were going around and saying things that they learned from us. And one of my children said what he learned from me was that we always have to be on a journey. There are no quick fixes and there are no shortcuts. But you put one foot in front of the other. And at the end of the day, you say, did I do better than yesterday? Am I a little stronger? Did I learn something new? And that's how we do it. But trying to force a, a quick fix at it, it's never going to stick. So all the programs have to be stuck to for a while. There's no program I have that's less than a month because you have to work at it in order to change the actual functioning of your brain, the neurotransmitters, neural pathways. We need to create new communication habits, new bonding habits, new emotional intervention habits and of course actual physical habits like getting your homework done and getting to bed on time all of that there is no way to resolve those problems by putting a pill in your mouth 
or overnight. It's impossible. And you and I both know, because we've been moms for a while, and we've taken some serious journeys on our own and with our children, that we are smarter, more compassionate, and better people because of those journeys. Absolutely. It wasn't the quick fixes that changed us. It was those challenging journeys that made us who we were. We are. Oh, yeah. And like I said, she's one of the neatest people. So I just love being around her. So it's not a negative in that respect. It's just her being able to stay on a task and get what she needs to be done. That's where she struggles. I hear that. She's going to do great. Just the fact that she's so curious and that she wants to make changes. That's the first step. That's awesome. And I love what you're doing. Because it is prevalent a lot more than I think a lot of us realize. And like you said, who knows how much the environment, as far as everybody's on computers and watching TV, whatever, all day long anymore on our phones. I wonder how much that contributes to it as well. And the messages, it's not just the hours, it's the really sickening messages that our kids are getting besides. Oh, yeah. We got a private pool there in Sinai and it was so much fun. And we're kind of dancing around on the grass. And I look at my youngest daughter, who's this most adorable 12-year-old, and she's pole dancing. And I'm like, what's she doing? And she doesn't know what she's doing. She's doing TikTok. Oh, "Oh my God. She's so innocent and sweet. She doesn't know that those movements are so inappropriate for a child her age. But they watch it at recess in school. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, I'm stunned. So it's not even just, I mean, the, the, we're not even fully raising our kids anymore. They're being raised by those stupid things in their hands. Oh, I agree. And uh, we've got to get on top of that, by the way. That's something I recommend to parents all the time. Block your kids' phones. Don't let them be on it for hours. You're handing them heroin. You're opening up the alcohol cabinet. You're giving them a bottle of vodka, just reference to the Russia. You can't, it's so addictive. It is. If you hand it to your child and say, I trust you to know how to manage this thing, then you're out to lunch. Exactly. They don't have the frontal reasoning to do that. I put my kids' phones on Custodio. I highly recommend it. It's great. They don't pay me to advertise for them. I should I should check in with them. Maybe they should. Become an affiliate. Yeah, yeah. But Custodio is a great system with a Q at the beginning it's a great system and you can control you know keep the pornography out of your kids faces and also you can control the hours that they're on it and have it shut down so that they're not drawn into watching it through the night and they actually can get sleep and that their brains are not full of the absolute junk that's being spewed in their direction I love that idea, actually. And my kids, I mean, I locked their phones down as much as I could and their iPads, whatever they had, you know, and they thought I was being overprotective and this and that. And I said, well, when you grow up and you have kids of your own, you'll figure it out. Right. It's not better for them to let them do whatever they want. No, because we're not here to be their friends. You're here to be their parent. You're supposed to guide them and protect them. That's what you're here for. That's my opinion. Exactly. I say that's my mantra. You have enough friends and I'm grateful that they all have wonderful friends. Exactly. They don't need another friend, but they only got one mom. They've got a dad too, which is pretty awesome, but they've got one mom and I don't need to pal around with them. As they get older, it's fun. But when they're little, no, I lock down phones. I control the hours. And uh, we do our best. I think that's the way it should be. I know it's not in a lot of instances, but I think that's the way it should be. So I'm in full agreement. Well, thank you. Like I said, I love what you're doing. I think there's definitely a need. And one thing you're providing is hope, which is invaluable, really. So, I mean, hope to not have to stay on medicine and to find another way to overcome this. So I love that. Thank you. I do have a lot of hope. This is and hope, not just because I'm a hopeful person, but because I've actually been working with ADHD now for well over 20 years. And I'm hopeful because I know that what I'm saying actually is true. I've seen it before my eyes. 
and I'm raising children who one of my daughters just got married recently. That's like, you know, a high you can't even describe. But she was the one who, when I took her for an evaluation, the doctor who evaluated her said, you better put this kid on medication. She's going to end up in jail. Well, she's not only not in jail, but she's halfway through a degree and has married the most wonderful guy and is living a spectacular, very high functioning, wonderful life. Uh -huh. And we need to not listen to those curses. We need to just have faith in our kids. Yeah, I was going to say it's a strong word, but I don't like the fact that these professionals are saying things because you're putting that seed and, you know, especially if the child's hearing it, you're putting that in their head. So now they think they can't succeed. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. And they have too much power. That's why I call it a curse because they have way too much power over us and our children. And they make us believe that we're limited in ways that we're not. I agree. And you look to them as an authority when you live with that kid day in and day out, you know, your child, right? They can't tell you more about your child other than if they ran tests or medical tests or something, but they can't tell you more about your child than you could tell them. And we forget that sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, I know it's getting late for you and I appreciate your time and I've really enjoyed speaking with you. It's been great. It's my pleasure. And keep doing what you're doing. It's really great. You're helping a lot of people. Oh, thank you. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. And we're going to check out your website and your YouTube and I'll put all that in the show notes so people can access you and thank you for all you're doing. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Abigail sharing her journey and her wisdom has helped you in some way. A few things really stood out to me. First, one of Abigail's missions is to make sure that parents know they still have a healthy child. Their child still has their full potential for some reason, which she can help you determine what it is. In most cases, your child is clashing with their environment and you can find the best intervention for your child and help them to achieve their full potential. Secondly, Abigail stresses that you can help your child without medicating them. Now, I know this is a personal decision, and as a parent, if we're talking a child, you have to make that decision. But she talks about not only the dangers of the medicines themselves, but how they mask the real problems, and so you don't even really know what problems your child is having, and it also doesn't allow them to develop fully socially, as you heard in the episode. And this is something that I didn't really get until I spoke with her, but I think it's huge. And as a mom of an ADHD child, I think it's very important. I did medicate my child, as you heard me speak about, because I thought that was my only good air quotes option. And of course, I wanted her to graduate. However, I'm learning that that was not the best option. And we're still pursuing the cause of the ADHD. As always, I hope this episode helps at least one person. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>